0: Lovely to be together, and uh, what a privilege, yes, yeah, Mark said. part two of our Unashamed series, um, but as we've been in, 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 in this space called Life Changers, leading in this space for the last uh, decade and a bit, we've actually only preached on se- uh, the gospel and sexuality and, uh, three times, and if you rewind uh, over a decade ago, I remember the first time we did it, we thought we wanted to make a statement. We wanted to create a bit of excitement in the community, so this was before the yellow wall, we put up a yellow billboard outside, a big yellow billboard, and we had, we had emblazoned across it just three letters. That billboard outside of our front had three letters, S-E-X, in massive words, uh, in massive writing, and underneath it just said the tagline, good gift, dirty secret. And we thought, hey, this will get the community buzzing, and, and little did we know that it got the community buzzing um, in, in two ways. The first way was there was some intrigue. We had some people who came to say, "What is going on here? We want to come and find out what is happening. What is the church saying about this?" Uh, there also were. Uh, I remember distinctly two gentlemen who walked in looking very shifty. And after a while, they came. They sidled up to me and said, "Just wanted to ask. So when do the girls come out?" To which we said, "After worship and after the preach. So just stick around, and you." True story. True story. But also, there was not just only the intrigue, there was also a lot of outrage. There was a lot of outrage and irate phone calls, messages, social media comments, emails, people saying, how dare a church speak about this topic? Yeah. And people were saying, I don't want my kids to see that word as we drive to school. I don't wanna have that conversation at that time of the morning because of the church decides to put that on our side, sidewalk. No matter the fact that our city, every week, has a helicopter driving right over our city with a massive banner saying, "We'll come to a strip club. It's, no, sorry about that, I really apologize, the irony of the situation. But what we realized was this conversation will do two things. It will, it will provide intrigue, but also provide outrage. And it also does this not just in the church, but actually when this, this idea of sexuality and sex, which is top of mind for everybody around the world at this time, it does that thing that actually the illicit the, the nature of sex and sexuality will always have this sense of intrigue and pull to our hearts, will pull us towards sin and pull us towards uh, debauchery, pull us towards the gutter, pull us towards the lowest common denominator. But also it can do another thing where it can cover up our shame. We try and cover it up by being self-righteous and being indignant and outraged. And How could they do that? And how could that group of people do that? Because my sin is not as bad as their sin. And it does both, and we often find ourselves in the middle, and I wanna remind us that what we're doing in this series is this series is not a defense of God, it's not a defense of the Bible or the church, but rather it's an all out declaration of the goodness of God. Yeah. This is not a conversation for the sidelines, it's not a conversation for, for the comment section, this is a conversation for the church of Jesus Christ to have with confidence and courage to know that our God is good, yeah. and our God created sex, so sex is good, And when we do it His way and we engage with it. So I want to tell you and remind our hearts today that God is not a killjoy. He's not a prude. He is fighting for our joy. He's fighting for our freedom. And He's fighting ultimately for His glory. So we're going to go on this journey together today. So for us to be able to join this fight, I believe that we have to see four big billboards. If I can play on that uh, analogy. Four big billboards that are emblazoned across not a, a highway or a street, but actually all of Scripture. And I want to put them deep in our hearts so we have a framework on how to navigate sex and the gospel. So number one, firstly, we have to understand that we were formed. We were formed. If you are taking notes, I'd love you to write these down, be able to navigate the scriptures afterwards. This might be a little bit teachy on the front end, but I want us to be able to get a deep understanding of who God is and His nature, because how we see God will determine how we see ourselves and ultimately how we see and view sex. So we realize on page one of the Bible, God reveals himself, not as judge, not as jury, not as executioner, not as I often say, thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. No, page one of the Bible, first introductions, allow me to introduce myself. He steps onto the scene as a creator, a designer, a gardener. And this is the incredible reality as God steps in as an artist fashioning a world out of nothing. This is the reality that we get, the, the notion for us is that we find our genesis as humanity, not in an assembly line or production line of, of God churning out products for to fill the earth. No, no, he doesn't look at it and go, oh, does this one not come in blonde? Oh, fine, I'll take, sure, I'll take, no. No, we don't find our genesis as humanity on a production line or assembly point, but actually at the hands of an infinitely powerful and yet intensely loving creator who fashioned us, who formed us. And if we understand this as a bedrock deep in our hearts, that we were formed, formed at the hands of an almighty creator, it does a number of things for us. Number one, it reminds us that we are not a mistake. We are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, you, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. What I love, though, the psalmist says, God, knit us together in our mother's womb. But if you go to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this, God speaking to Jeremiah says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. It's almost like God is wanting to put it deep in our hearts that actually, not just in the mother's womb, he said actually before you even knit together in your mother's room, I knew you. And then we get to the New Testament and the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, no, God actually chose us before the foundation of the world. He's just reminding us, rewinding that actually we are not a mistake, we're not an afterthought, we're not just a, a, a product of cheap wine and faulty birth control. You're not just a product of, of passions going, getting a little bit inflamed one night and, and actually a little bit of lust, a little bit of this. That actually, no matter where you're from, no matter your origin story here, whether it was from, uh, from rape, whether it was from uh, an abusive marriage, whether it was from uh, a loveless marriage, whether you were a, a mistake in the language of your parents, you, according to the Scriptures, are not a mistake. That actually, when you and I were born and that cry went out and your mom said, ow, and the doctor said, another ugly boy. <laughs> and the social worker went, another mouth to feed. All of heaven at that cry leant in and said, the plan has begun. Oh, you are not a mistake. Secondly, I want to remind us, if we understand we're formed, it tells us that we are not animals. Yeah. You are not an animal. Yes. What I mean by that is that you're not just your base desires. This is huge because Psalm 139 verse 14 Says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, your works are wonderful, I know that full well. This is the, the creative word with a Latin word we understand of called the imago day. Is that what makes us as humanity distinct and different from all other creation? Is that only humanity was created in the image of God. God said, Let us make man in our image. Different than Fido. You might love Fido, he might be a wonderful, faithful pet, different than the lions, different than all creation, God said, no, I'm going to make humanity in my image. And this is so incredible, because, you know, we've been told by the Bloodhound Gang, you know, those great poets, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's just do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Throw back to the 90s, people. Or maybe as uh, Russell Crowe said in the the great movie, A Beautiful Mind, when he's trying to pick up a lady, he says this, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to get you into bed, but can we just assume I said it and go straight to sex? It's basically exchanging of bodily fluids anyway, right? And that's the view of sexuality that actually is just, it's just it's just bodily fluids. It's just us being who we created to be. We just, we animalistic desires, but we have to remind ourselves that we're more than just animals in the sense of we don't have to just give vent to our base feelings. I'm lonely, so therefore I, I'm insecure, so therefore I, I'm horny, so therefore I, No, no, you're not an animal. They just have to give vent to your feelings because here is the huge truth. You're more than your base animalistic desires and how you feel doesn't define you. Who made you does. These are base things we've got to understand about who we are. You're not a mistake. You're not an animal. Thirdly, you're not random. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me they were written in your book before one of them came to be there's a great italian proverb um, that says i dig the ditch to make the money to buy the spaghetti to build the mu- muscle to dig the ditch to make the money to buy the spaghetti to build the muscle to dig the ditch. And it feels like this unending cycle as the great uh, modern-day poet Rihanna wrote, work, 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 work. This is the reality that actually we can get in this cycle that we feel our days are just wake up, go to work, come home, choose a Netflix series, get a little bit lonely and secure, get on Tinder, hopefully find someone too, that will like us, and try and maybe hopefully we'll swipe right, or find Mr. Right, or get sex just right, and it'll complete us, and it'll be chaos. And, and this is our lives. We just feel as we end up in this ad nauseum venture that actually we feel like we're just one in a million, and that's not even saying it in the good sense. We're just one in millions. It's a blip on the radar, but actually, when we look at Scripture, we realize that, that He knows the exact times and places we should live. You and I are not victims to our times. We're not victims to our fate. God saw you in this time and in this day. Yes, in this day. With the pornography epidemic that's rife. With social media that's rife. With the seemingly chaotic worldview that's rife. And we're gonna, how are we going to survive in this world? How are we going to navigate our sexuality? How are we going to navigate our, our children? How are we going to deal with smartphones? How are we going to deal with the insecurities and the temptations? How? Who are we to survive? God says, I know the exact times. And I chose you to be born in this time. Not just to survive, but to thrive. Because this is incredible for you and I. This day was made for us, and we were made for this day. And I want to awaken the church to this because there's no need for fear and despair when we understand that we're not just random. We are placed here on purpose by a hand, almighty hand of God. You're not just a mistake. You're not just an animal. You're not just random. And fourthly, under this, you're not your own. If we understand that we are formed, we realize that we have a designer. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, you are not your own. You were bought with an infinite price. So honor and glorify God with your body. You're not your own. The scriptures has this metaphor running throughout the pages of it. It pop up again and again of God being a potter and we being the clay. And this reality that he is the potter that's shaping and molding and forming us into his design. And, and everything inside of us is the clay. we will say, no, no, I, I want to be like this. I, I want you to change this. But, but the scriptures remind us that it's not the clay that determines the hands of the potter. The potter's hands that determine the shape of the clay. And when we realize that he is at work in our hands, lives and his hands at work in our story, it, it is so challenging because it rallies against our self-definition of who I'm called to be. But actually God says, no, no, it's who I've called you to be. That settles a lot of wrestling and angst in our hearts, because it's challenging, yet so freeing. You're not a mistake. You're not an animal. You're not random, and you're not your own. So what went wrong, we were formed. Uh, I want to tell you, the second stage we realized that we were formed, but then we became deformed. How did this happen? As the, the great artist of our time, the killer, said, "It started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? How did it end up like this? The chaos, so if that is page one and then you see the chaos that's not only throughout the page of the Bible that leak out into our everyday life and the pain and the shame and the despair around these conversations and the anxiety and the confusion. How did it get here? Well, I'm glad you asked Life Changes Church because it's, we were deformed and it started with a three-letter word that starts with S. And it's not S-E-X. Because let me tell you, we know that God designed sex, and sex is good. Sex is good. Where the church will often stand up and say, no, no, don't go there. Look away. And this feels like this purity culture that's not of God, but something different. But I want to tell you, no, sex is good. But it's the three-letter word sin that enters the story. And this is how sin works. I want to give us a paradigm, if it's all right, from Genesis chapter 3. This is how the enemy works, and this is how he still works. Number one, Sin works this way, and how he deforms us is he deceives us, then he distorts the truth, leads to disobedience, which leads to us being deformed. Genesis 3 pattern is he deceives and says to Eve, did God really say? He deceives what God says. He comes and says, he twists the words of God, and he'll say things like this. You know, he'll, he'll remind you, saying, are you really not a mistake? Are you really not just an animal? Are you really, are you actually, you're a man, man. That's who you're called to be. Just give vent to it. You're, you're random. You're the maker of your own destiny. He'll deceive and distort the words that the Almighty God has spoken about who we are and whose we are. Then he'll distort it. And he'll say to, as to Eve, he said, you won't die if you eat all the fruit. You won't die. He distorts reality. Tells us it's not a big deal. Everyone does it. It's not hurting anybody. And then, when if we don't give understanding and nip it in the bud, it leads to disobedience. It says that the woman saw the fruit and and she was convinced and she took it and ate of it, and then it deforms us. It says they were naked and they felt shame. It's the same pattern that plays out every single day in the war for our souls, the same four-step dance that we do every single day with the enemy. Is the reality he deceives us, he distorts us. We make a decision to obey or disobey, so we get this disobedience, and it always leads to defamation of who we call to be. And the ultimate reality is this nature is that people say this phrase, You know, all sin is the same. Which I understand what you're saying, but biblically, it's not true. Because here's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 20 says this Flee from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Sin, sexual sin is so huge because why? Sexual sin is a perversion of the true intimacy we were designed for. It's a deception and a distortion of the design of God that we were created for intimacy with Him. And then the spill out of that intimacy with a spouse, with a loved one, and in that space. But then deception, distortion comes in and it deforms who we call to be. But let me tell you, this leads to things that we are seeing, that's rife. Thirst traps on Instagram. We're seeing uh, OnlyFans, pornography. We're seeing more, multiple partners, open relationships, gender confusion, and before we get a little bit anxious and hot on the collar and say, what do we do with all this? Let me tell you, it's nothing new. Stories in the Bible as well. Let me tell you, in Jesus' day, there were, divorce was a pandemic. So much so, this was the top rated search, history, reality in the time of Jesus. Divorce, and what do we do with it, Jesus? Q&A, they were honored to ask about divorce, and they would apply Jesus with questions. How do we handle this? What do we do with this narrative? And every time Jesus would answer on divorce, he would take it back to the beginning and remind them that they were formed at the hands of a creator, that he had a design. And actually, if, you, if you're wanting to know, wow, it's this new and crazy, let me tell you, you haven't read the book of Corinthians yet. Forget about keeping up with the Kardashians. Let me tell you, keep up with the Corinthians. Those guys were good at sinning one 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 guy was so good at it that he was having communion and then going out the back door and going and having sexual relationship with his mother-in-law let me tell you that was church that Paul had to write in and understand and again when Paul was addressing that concern he didn't come and go with a moralistic stick he came and he pointed them back to the creation you're formed you need to know that you are formed, because there's a deformation that's come back in here, and we have to remind ourselves to go back the roots, and this is stanza number three. The first one is that we were formed, then we become deformed, but then we, get, we led into a pattern of being conformed, conformed, In Romans 12 verse 1, Paul writing says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. There's an aggressive tone to that. There's this front-footed tone, this warlike tone. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And it's a reminder that this is war. This is us as a church. We're preaching this with joy in our hearts, not with fear, but actually there is a severity in this moment that I believe that we're fighting for futures. We're fighting for generations to come. That actually, we're not just random. We're not just mistakes. We're not just passing through and, and working nine to five. What a way to make a living. Thanks, Dolly. No, we are, we are actually here as people who are formed and fashioned for this day to make decisions against the tide of culture, the tide of sin, the tide of the enemy, not to stand in moralistic, ah, God is angry, but to invite people back to the goodness of God. Do not be conformed. There's no neutral ground. Let me tell you, either in the kingdom of God on this issue, or you're in the kingdom of darkness. There's no neutral space. Let me just, I just wanna see how this plays up. No, you have to say, choose today whom you will serve. Your desires, your lusts, your appetites, your agenda, or what God says. There was a creator who formed me and fashioned me with good intentions for joy, for freedom, for purpose, for his glory. It might not be easy, but actually, it's so freeing. Let me remind our hearts, that the enemy is ruthlessly discipling us on this agenda. What I mean by discipling is that the enemy is not neutral in this. He is actually for your destruction. He said the wages of sin is death. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And actually, he is discipling us day and night, every scroll, every YouTube feed. The algorithm is not not working for you, it's working against you to feed your desires, to feed your base animalistic desires, to say, no, this is who you're called to be. Oh, that's why we have to get on the front foot. There was a, a friend of mine who recently told me a story. He, he was, grew up in a small town here in South Africa, safe religious community, and, and, and was staying within the bounds, but mainly big, not because of a fear of God, but a fear of, actually, what do people say if they find out? He was constrained basically because he hadn't had the opportunity to sin. But then he went overseas, and he realized in those moments that he was lonely. He felt, uh, there was a couple moments where he felt rejected, where he felt insecure, and and in those moments, he, instead of going to the truth of who God says he was, he went to the deception, and was distorted, and he made this moment where he opened up his phone and he went onto Tinder and started to swipe. And he realized, I'm in a foreign country. Nobody knows me. There's not seven degrees of separation here that somebody might remember my granny if I, no one knows me. And he swiped right, and from the first person, he realized in this foreign country that the girls were much more forward than they were back in the small town, South Africa. And the first girl said, come on over to my place. <laughs> so he was like, okay. Hopped on a train, and he, and he recounted this narrative saying, I remember going there knowing what is on the other side of that invitation. Knowing that that ends in what destruction, I knew this, this is where this was going. But I, and this wrestle was going inside of me. And he said, I shook the whole way there. He said, I shook, fighting the voice of the Spirit saying, this is not who you called to be. Fighting and fighting. And he said, I remember opening the door, going and shaking. And then that thing situation happened. He said, then the, I gave vent to this, this, these desires that were pent up. And I realized that this was so much easier than I thought. So the next week, I did it again. And every moment of feeling low, i do it again. And he said, every week, I shook all the way there. He said what was terrifying was on the fifth time when he got on the train, he realized he wasn't shaking anymore. And he got to a moment, he was suddenly disturbed in his heart, and he prayed a prayer like the psalmist David did, who said, Lord, don't take your spirit away from me. And actually, I think so often we have so seared our conscience that actually what 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 is not right has become normal we've started to call evil good we start to indulge in what the narrative of the day the the force of the enemy and we start to realize that actually there's no more fear and trembling in ourselves and that's the most fearful space to be let me tell you we become conformed the anthem of the world says follow your heart jesus says no follow me the anthem of the day says it's my body my choice jesus says no it's not your body. Present your body as a living sacrifice to me. The world says, live your best life. Jesus says, no, take up your cross. The world says, do you, do you. Jesus says, no, you, deny yourself. Yeah. The world says, live your truth. Jesus says, no, I am the truth. Yeah. And only the designer can make that claim. Yeah. We were formed, came deformed, become conformed into the grooves and the patterns of this world. And we have to wake up to this reality. But here's the great news I want to land with today. Formed, deformed, conformed. But there's an invitation in the gospel today to you and I to be transformed. Transformed. The scripture in Romans 12 goes on and says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those words, be transformed. In, the, in, the, in the, the language diagnostic, if you realize, it's, a, it's in the present continuous tense. It's a be transformed. It's saying it's an ongoing reality, but reminding ourselves to be transformed is in the past tense, so ongoingly go back to the design. Yeah. Ongoingly, it's not now progressive truth. It's not us becoming more and more enlightened or, or this, oh, we're now evolving. No, no, we are ongoingly going back to the truth, who I am, I'm formed. I'm not a mistake. I'm not an animal. I'm not random. I'm not my own. It's ongoingly going back to that pattern, allowing that word to become our whole, the who we are. It's ongoingly submitting to the truth of God. You and I, I want to remind us, we were made for intimacy. You were made for intimacy. You were made for relationships. You were made for joy. Don't settle. Don't settle for the lukewarm, if I can be as crude as this, crap that the world pump out. The base level that says this will lead to joy, this will lead to satisfaction. No, I'm here to declare to you today the good news of the gospel. You can be free. You can be made whole. You can be secure. You can be single and happy. You can be joy, have a joy-filled marriage. You can live pure and holy. You can be unashamed. This is the truth of the gospel. But it's also the truth of my heart. Because the narrative of my story, the moment of deformity, of conformity came in crashing my teenage years, where I got addicted to pornography. I got in the groove of pornography, where no matter the the, the pleas and the cries of my heart, I could not get out. I did not know how to get out. I made the promises. I did the church shuffle, sing the three songs on Sunday, feel guilty, but by the fourth song, I'm going, I'll stand with arms out and heart abandoned. This week, I'm going to not indulge in my nature. And then the way next week, same place again, same place again. The patterns of this world overwhelmed me. and I did not know how to get out. The grooves were so deep, I did not know how to get out of this trench that I dug for myself. Until the day came where the spirit of the living God spoke to me and said, you were made for a radical future. You were made for a radical future. And deposited this word in my heart, but radical futures demand radical obedience. And I remember being in a meeting like this, sitting in the back row, and something in my chest started to beat and I was like, I'm not just a mistake. I'm not just an animal. I'm not just random. I'm not my own. I want my life to count for more than this. And I remember getting up, and I remember that walk from the back road to the front. It might as well have been a country mile. It, was, it seemed like the world was in slow motion. As I walked to the front of the meeting, I said to the pastor, I'd like to say something. I think he thought I was going to share Psalm 23. <laughs> he gave me the microphone. I got on stage. And there's a shaking. But let me tell you, I think it wasn't a shaking of fear and anxiety. It was a shaking of holy fear. That I knew that God, I didn't know fully that at that moment that God was doing something. And I wish I could have seen in the spiritual. Because let me tell you in the spiritual, I think they're all, all of hell and demonic was clawing, saying, no, 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 no. We don't want, we don't want you to take a step of faith in this moment. We don't, want, we don't want you. And he was trying to remind me, it's just a natural walk. It's just a small room of people. What will they think of you? What will they, uh, you know, and actually the enemy was speaking. But I want to tell you right there, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All of heaven lent in afresh and said, the plan has begun. The plan has begun, watch, with every stumbling step. I got up there, not got it perfectly together, actually in the very depths of my depravity. I said, this is who I am, this is what I've done, but I want out. And let me tell you, at that moment, I felt the supernatural hand of God plunge deep into my very being. And rip out the root of lust that had been driving me, driving me, controlling me, leading me around by the, a, a chain, going this way and that, doing what I didn't want to do, going this way and that way. I felt it be ripped out radically. And God whispered in my heart, Radical futures demand radical obedience. Can I tell you that day? I did not know it fully, but that day I was fighting for my family. I was fighting a battle so my children. Hopefully won't have to fight that battle. I was fighting for my wife. There's a man named Samson, who's a man of great strength and power, but he could not tame this issue. He fell for a Philistine woman in Timnah. He fell for a prostitute in Gaza. He fell for Delilah. And that the Philistine nation, who he was tasked by God to destroy, he did not do this job because of this issue. He was not able to lay to rest. And because of that, many generations later, God had to raise up a little shepherd boy to come and face a giant called Goliath. And I think the decisions we're making today will make sure that our children aren't having to face Goliaths in the future. This is the invitation of God. I want to tell you what is the power. The power is this it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1, verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. The power. The gospel is the power. The good news of Jesus is the power of God for salvation for anyone who believes. The power of God that says, I can take the gospel right now. I believe it in the fiber of my being that if you're addicted, you can. The power of God can make you free in a moment. That right now, if you're broken, God can make you whole. The power of God can take disappointed people and make them healed. can take dead people and make them alive. Can we stand to our feet? I want to tell you this morning on Mother's Day. Again, wish we could have preached on Psalm 23 today. But we're not dealing with light and fluffy. We're not trying to play games. And just to prop up a moment, we're fighting for destinies here. We're wading into the war and declaring the goodness of God in the most broken of spaces, saying, come alive in the name of Jesus. And I want to remind you and prophetically declare, you are not a mistake. You are made in the image of the glory of God. You are not an animal. You are made in the image of the glory of God. You are not a pervert. You are made in the image of the glory of God. You are not an addict. You are made in the image of the glory of God. You're not a victim, you're made in the image of the glory of God. You're not a fool, you're made in the image of the glory of God. You're not an embarrassment, you're made in the image of the glory of God. You're not a failure, you're made in the image of the glory of God. Can we as a people lift our hands? We ask you this in church often. Maybe you say, Why do we do this? Is this a charismatic response? No, it's a biblical response. Because I believe, as a friend said recently to me, said that according to Scripture, weakness is the portal for his strength. Yeah. And when we lift our hands, we're saying, I am weak, but I need your strength. Yeah. So with every hand lifted, eye closed, we are, as a community, on behalf of our city, on behalf of our families, and on behalf of generations to come, we're plugging into a greater narrative, a greater story. And I thank you, Jesus, that the cross of Jesus Christ The shameful death that you died was not a defense of God. It was not a defense of the Bible or the church. But the cross was rather an all-out declaration of the goodness of God. He is not a killjoy. He is not a prude. He is fighting for your joy, for our freedom, and for His glory. I tell you, as we land with every eye closed, hands lifted, the Bible says in Matthew 5, says, blessed are the pure for they will see God. The highest goal is not for us to have great sex. (laughs) The highest goal is for us to see God. I believe God wants to pour purity deep into our hearts, not because of what we've done, but when we attach our hearts to what he has done, allow his grace to permeate, to overthrow, to leak into every area of our hearts, every deformed and every conformed way of thinking and belief, he'll start to remind us, be transformed. Father, renewing of your mind father right now i pray in this room radical futures demand radical obedience i thank you father god there's sons of the living god there's daughters of the living god who are being reminded they are not a product of what happened to them they're not a product of what they have done they are a product of the hands of almighty god who has formed them fashioned them with design with purpose with future and you're saying i have radical futures for you and your family That Your futures for your children will not be defined by that divorce. It will not be defined by that addiction. It will not be defined by that one night. It will not be defined by that moment of shame. It will be defined by the fact that I'm being transformed. I thank you right now. Would you pour your spirit out upon us, your people, as we trust you in Jesus' name? Can you just pray that under your breath? Declare it into your sexuality, into your relationship. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Let's try it one more time. Say, Jesus... I trust you. Thank you, God. We declare the goodness of God to flood over all your sons and daughters today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.